Welcome back to Wellness Inc. I'm Dr. Mike Moreno, taking a deep dive into all things wellness after over 25 years of practicing medicine. I'm fascinated with anything and everything that can help you feel better, live healthier, and become the best you possible. I'll be interviewing the most cutting edge experts in the field of wellness and exploring new innovative technologies to help you live your best life. At the end of each episode, I'll give you my weekly RX, my top tips for you to use right away. Remember to subscribe for free, rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I'm fascinated by our guest today. And I mean, really fascinated. I can't wait for him to share his wisdom with us. He's here today as part of our new series, Biohacking on a Budget. So biohacking, if the idea is new to you, is a really popular idea in the wellness space. It's a broad term, but one way to define it is to change the environment outside of you and inside of you so that you have control of your biology to allow you to upgrade your body, your mind, and your life. That just sounds like a good thing. So th there are so many different ways to practice this idea of biohacking. And often these techniques can be really expensive and we have to be aware of this. So in this series, we've been exploring lots of different ways to achieve amazing results that don't break the bank. And I'm learning so much and I'm hoping the same for all of my listeners. So today's guest is going to blow your mind. Alberto Violdo, Dr. Alberto Violdo, is a medical anthropologist. We're going to talk about what that is. A psychologist and shaman who studied the spiritual practices of the Amazon and the Andes for more than three decades, more than 30 years. While at San Francisco State University, he founded the Biological Self-Regulation Laboratory, to study how the mind creates psychosomatic health and disease. Founder of the Four Winds Society, he instructs individuals throughout the world in the practice of energy medicine. And Dr. Violdo has written numerous best-selling books, and his newest, his latest and greatest, is called, get this, Grow a New Body. How great is that? And I am honored and we're all honored. We're all lucky to have you here today. Dr. Violdo, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Mike. And let's call me Alberto. That's Otherwise, I'm going to have to charge you for a consult. <laughs> well, we don't want that. All right. I, I'm with it. And I'm, and I'm Mike. So this is going to be great. I mean, let me just start with that intro. And I mean, wow, quite the journey, quite quite the experience, life experiences you've had. And I, I think we should just, let's just start with the basics because I, I'm sure like myself, a lot of people want to know exactly what is a medical anthropologist? Like talk to us just a little bit about that whole term. Yeah. Well, a medical anthropologist is someone who researches the healing practices of other societies. And you know, there are 11 complete medical systems in the planet. We know of a couple of them like Ayurveda, we know acupuncture, we know Western medicine, but there's so many different ones. And the ones that I specialized in were the shamanic ones in the Amazon, the medicine men and medicine women that worked in nature's pharmacy, which is the jungle. 
God, it's fascinating. Now I'm looking back at my life. I'm like, I wish I would have done what he did because it is fascinating. All the places you've traveled and all the things you've done, like what, what takes you in that direction? Well, you know, originally I was funded in my research by big Swiss pharma, by names that you recognize that you've got around your house because they wanted to discover the next big cure for cancer or dementia or heart disease. So they funded me and they have a lot of money to fund to travel to the backwaters of the Amazon to help them discover new plants that we could turn into medicines. And they said, you could become rich, you could become famous and help a lot of people. Well, after many months of going to villages where they had never seen a light-skinned person before, in fact, the kids would would come running up to me to rub my hands to see if the white dirt would rub off. (laughs) I I came back empty-handed because these people had no dementia, no cancer, no, uh, none of the illnesses of the West, you know, they, they had no wow. heart disease. Wow. Because these are the illnesses of civilization. What we're, what the things that are killing us, they were killed by parasites and other infections, but not by dementia, no Alzheimer's. It, you know, it's, it's interesting when, when you look and you think, you know, one of the things I think about, like when you look at the human body, right. And, and you go back to civilization, you know, I'm just going to use broad terms. You look at the caveman, the body is the same, right? You have two lungs, two kidneys, a liver, a heart, a brain, but it's the environment in which we now have put this body. That's creating a lot of the problems. I feel anyway, what, I mean, what do you think about that? When, when we look at civilization, as you said, they, you know, where you were, they didn't have any of these disease processes. Well, partially it's because the environment and also because they were the original biohackers. They, they knew how to switch on the genes that create health and how to silence the genes that create disease. They knew that we were energy beings. And they, you know, and all biohacking eventually goes to the, our energy production, to mitochondria, to uh, upregulating certain systems, downregulating others, except that they had 5,000 years of experience doing it. And we've right. only got five. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's, that's funny you say that because you think about it, you know, we talk about 10, 20, 30, 50 years, a hundred years being a long time. But when you look at, you know, we get stuck a lot on this term evidence-based. Well, it's hard to fight against 5,000 years of, of evidence in, in terms of your experiences. So you, you make an interesting statement, which you talk about their ability, their knowledge about switching genes on and off that create health and then I guess silencing the genes that lead to disease. I mean, that must, it has to be like fascinating. To, you know, to, we, <laughs> we just discovered that we call it epigenetics. So it's how does your diet, how do your food, how do your very expensive supplements modify your genetic expression, change the environment. And then the body accommodates to that change in the environment. So they what the shamans discovered around the world, because then I not only went to the Amazon, but I went to Africa and Indonesia, and they, if, to look at the sacred plants that were used by the medicine men and women, and the sac- not the teacher plants like the ayahuasca and the psychedelic ones, those were the teachers, but all of the sacred plants were biohacking plants. They would, they would downregulate mTOR. They would upregulate the the, uh, autophagy and recycling of cellular waste. These were the longevity plants. 
And I asked them, well, how did, how did you know that these, this was an mTOR down regulator? They said, well, the plants told us, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of this probably seems very foreign to our listeners because, like I said, what we're exposed to, I mean, you really got to do your homework and you really have to look. I, I've always been a believer that, and I tell my patients this every single day, there are so many things out there that we don't know, but you'll have to do your homework. You have to look at alternative waves or, or I, you know, other sort of complementary ways of managing your health. And, and I think you can't even, you can't say any more than, than some of the stuff that you did say. I, I got to say, this is one of my favorite, when I did my homework on you and researching you, one thing that you say, and I love this so much, I, I, this statement is that you want our health span to equal our lifespan. I love that statement. Talk a little bit about what you mean when you say that. Well, you know, in the last 50 years, human lifespan has been extended tremendously, but health span has remained the same or has even shrunk. So we have actually increased the morbidity, the, the morbid years, the years where we're wheelchair bound or bedridden or sick. Right. So, you know, the formula for longevity is live long and healthy and die quick. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're doing, you know, live long and unhealthy and sick and die slowly. Wow. What, where do we go wrong? Right. You know, we talk about quality of life, right? And, and for everyone, I think there's a different definition of quality of life. We have in our world and it's cultural, you know, I, my father's from Mexico and I grew up in a very Latino family and our, our definition of quality of life, it's different in different cultures. It's different. You have to look at socioeconomic things, but that's the whole point is that when you look at the disease burden in our civilization or in our current, you know, in, at least in the US, I can speak of pretty, a lot of this stuff I feel is preventable. And a, a lot of it is we're trying to fix problems instead of prevent them from happening in the first place. Yeah. Well, you know, it, in the West, we have a disease care, a sick care system, not a healthcare system, because we're, right. we're, trained, we're trained to treat disease. And we know a lot about disease and very little about health. When you go to medical school, if you're lucky, you get one week of nutrition, if you're lucky. And in most medical schools, you, you don't. Now, when we're today, I think the consumer is becoming aware. Today, we know sugar is killing us. In America, 60% of the population is diabetic or pre-diabetic. If you look at the, the bell curve, it, you find that if you live to be 85 years old, and all of us will, you have a 50% chance of having diagnosable Alzheimer's. 50% wow. at the age of 90 is 75%. And this isn't forgetting where your car keys are, it's forgetting your children's names. Right. I always feel like we tend to be a little more reactive instead of proactive. I, I, I think that we we put into our practices, you know, we're going to do this when this has happened, uh, you know, when this happens to our body, you know, medically speaking, all of these things. But I, I think when, when you talk about some of the healing plants or the healing powers of plants and, and things that you learned, I mean, you were fortunate to be able to go and, and experience and live in that environment and really see... Yeah how how this works 
You know, let me tell you how this works, Mike. Because if you, today we're living in what I call the age of, of Pharmageddon, you know, because <laughs> if you're, for a pharmaceutical company to do research on a product, it has to be a product that they can patent. For example, nobody's doing research on vitamin D3, despite the fact that it can prevent so many viral conditions. Prevention never is never very rewarded, but pharmaceuticals can patent medications that work on pathways, on single pathways. Well, plants don't work on pathways. They have pathways, they have systems, networks that have many, many pathways, and then systems that have many, many networks. So you cannot patent garlic or oregano, but we know the extract from garlic that a garlic is incredibly detoxifying, has a big sulfur molecule, that's why it stinks so much, that can bind to toxins or to heavy metals and pull them out of the body. So I think part of our work today is turning our kitchens into our laboratory so that we can find our way to health through what we put at the end of our fork. Right. It's interesting. I, I, I was watching a TV program this last Sunday 60 Minutes, which is one of my favorite shows. And they were talking about, you bring up this term patent. And they they were interviewing uh, Dr. Salk, you know, from the Salk Institute. And I'm in San Diego. So, of course, that's right, right up the road from me. And, and they have footage of, of their interview with him. And they say to him, who owns the patent of this vaccine? And, and, he, and it's, it's a really beautiful thing. He says, no one. It's for all of us, you know. He gave, and, he gave it away, you know. Right. He gave it away for free, yeah. And it's incredible. And you think, and I understand, you know, that we live in a different world, and I understand we all need to generate, uh, uh, you know, our our financial stability and, and business and business. I get it, but what a beautiful thing to see this no, and to see him yeah. say. You know, yeah. It, what do you mean? Who owns it? You know, like if yeah. you were to say that now, you'd have like a, you know, a fight in court over who owns this and who owns that. But yeah. it was amazing. And I thought to myself and it made me think about that when you said that, you know, this whole idea of big pharma and patents. I'll tell you how I got started, actually, in my work, since you asked earlier and you brought uh, Jonas Salk up. Um, I got to work with Dr. Salk towards the end of his life. Wow. Uh, he con He contributed a chapter to a book that I was editing and his chapter, and, and he was an older man by then. It was right shortly before his, uh, his death. And when you get older, you, you befriend some of the younger generations. And I was a young graduate student. So, and I was working on my first book and he contributed a chapter called the survival of the wisest and how it's wisdom that really propels evolution. It's not, you know, the evolution, likes muscle and teeth, but it prefers brains over <laughs> brawn. So it prefers intelligence. And this is an evolutionary experiment that we're taking part in where we are one of the most intelligent species in the planet. And just a few years ago, it was discovered that there were three species out of 40 million that didn't have a death program in their DNA. And that's humans, orcas and whales and dolphins. And these are the species that have the biggest brain to body weight ratios. We don't have a death program. Every other species in nature, the minute the female is no longer reproductively viable, she's eliminated. 
No, there, there are no grandmothers in nature. There's no menopause. Wow. But there are wow. female orcas. Uh, sorry, there are grandmother orcas and grandmother humans. So we have, we can take part in an experiment in longevity, but it has to be an experiment in intelligence. These are the three most intelligent species. And of course, intelligence is part of what the ancients call spirituality. Right. It's your communion with the ecosystem as your intelligence of your body, how you get along with your colony and your gut and, and how do you uh, atone with your ancestors and, and don't blame your mother and your father for everything that's wrong with you. <laughs> it's easy to do that. So you're out here and you're, you're just discovering this really, quite honestly, I, I don't, I say a whole new world, but it was a pre-existing world, but it was new to you. And I think it's, you know, one of the biggest things behind bringing this information to my listeners is talking about plants. And, and, you know, there are so many things and you hear so much and you can go online and Google this and Google that. It's a lot of information, a lot to take in, but with your decades of experience with, with the travels and, and the education, if you could talk about two or three of, of the most healing plants that, that our listeners that are like available, that's, that they can yeah. go and get, talk a bit about a, a few of the plants that, that really kind of stand out in your, in your mind. And they're so affordable, Mike. They're so, they're budget, they're budget-based and the, uh, there's everybody today is trying to sell you some product that's life extending or nootropic or that's what promises to biohack. Biohacking has to do with three things. And you can do some of them for free. One of them is controlling sugar. You've got to get rid of the sugar or anything that turns into sugar because that'll silence one of the regulation system. It's called IGF-1, insulin-like growth factors. You need growth factors when you're young and you're growing. After the age of 20, you don't want growth factors. You're going to be growing cancer. So you got to silence gotcha. this this measure called IGF-1 that gets in every lab, lab test we get, and you silence it by cutting down on sugar, keeping your blood sugar low. That's number one. You got to silence another sensor. There are two sensors that say, hey, one of them is for sugar. That's when we were eating plants. And the other one is five billion years old. It's a protein sensor. Sad because back in those days, there were only bacteria and the protein sensors told you that there was stuff to eat, protein to eat. And if there wasn't any, it would shut down the system, go into hibernation so it could go into repair and regeneration. So one system is sugar-based, the other protein-based. The sugar is IGF-1. The protein is called TOR or mTOR, mammalian target of rapamycin. TOR is what tells the master regulator. It says, hey, you're going to give immortality to cancer cells or you're going to give immortality to the whole system. So the minute you can, so with protein, we eat way too much protein in America. You know, we've got to cycle our protein. We need protein, but the first protein you want to get is cut recycling the proteins that are in your recycling basket inside every cell through, through the recycling mechanisms of autophagy. And then but you got to really, to biohack, control these two, the intakes of sugar and cycle your protein. Don't eat protein every day. Eat it, eat it twice a week. 
with a few days in between. Don't protein overload because you're going to look buff and muscular. <laughs> Go to Santa Monica and look cool. Are you going to die young? So this is Walter Longo. You know, I know you had him on your show. He's got it down. He really did all the science behind it. The third system is mitochondria. Upgrading and repairing your mitochondria. Mitochondria are the fuel factories in the cell. And they're actually bacteria. They have 30, you know, they have 36 genes in a ring, which is bacterial DNA, not 24,000 like we do in a double helix. In fact, that when I met Dr. Salk, he had, you know, he had lost the race to discover the double helix of, uh, of uh, human DNA. But mitochondria are really bacteria that live inside of us. And if you can optimize energy production so that you don't produce a lot of bad byproducts, uh, reactive oxygen species, free radicals from bad combustion, then you're going to basically be upgrading the quality of your system. And particularly with mitochondria is, a, is eliminating the zombie cells that are neither living nor dead, but they still have mitochondria that are now producing free radicals and hormones and making you sick. So these are the three path avenues to them. And one way to do it is through intermittent fasting, as you know, and some of the plants that will silence mTOR are the um, resveratrol or curcumin. Right. They're, they're not very bioavailable is the problem. The most bioavailable one is called sulforaphane. And you get that from five-day-old broccoli sprouts. Really? So order broccoli seeds from Amazon, sprout them in a jar, so easy to do. And after five days, you got a salad and chew them well. And that's the full sulforaphane because the capsules don't contain the enzyme that's needed, myrosinase. And sulforaphane is 90% bioavailable. And that will, if I can take you into a bit of the chemistry, will turn on a detox pathway called NRF2, which is knocks out the RNRF2 protein from the cell membrane. It goes into the nucleus and begins switching on the genes that create health. And there you got the key for biohacking. You want to silence the cancer genes, the breast cancer genes, the heart disease genes, the dementia genes, and upregulate the genes that create vibrant health and longevity. So if you can focus on the, these three areas, you've got, you've got the formula for biohacking without needing to buy anything or minimal, you, know, you can do it on a real budget. Wow. So you're saying you take the seeds, the broccoli seeds in soil. You, you... No, no, you take broccoli seeds and you leave them overnight in a glass of water. Okay. So they, so I want to make sure everyone's clear on this because I'm going to try this this weekend. This is my homework. I'm taking this home. Okay. So broccoli order seeds. The, order the organic ones from Amazon. They're very cheap. Okay. And you take a couple hundred, these teeny little seeds, let them soak overnight, drain the water, put them in a jar with a, uh, with a cheesecloth and a rubber band on it so that you can gotcha. then water it once a day and then keep them in the dark. Once a day, you water them, keep them in the dark, takes no work. And after five days, you have these, because um, these seeds germinate in the dark, remember, in the soil, but you don't want to use dirt. And then the key is to use spring water. 
Interesting. If you use tap water, you're going to be getting all of the contaminants from the tap right. water. Use right. spring water, it's going to be rich in all of the metals and all of the minerals, the micronutrients that you need. And it's going to wake up the healing power of these seeds. And you have the most potent antioxidant detoxifier upregulator of the longevity genes that you could get. But you can only do it at home in your kitchen laboratory. I love how you said that. Like we should be practicing science in our kitchens and we should make it our, our laboratory. I think it's interesting what you said a few minutes ago, which is, and I never thought of this in the way that you put it, you put it in an extremely interesting way, which is we want to have this idea of growth and cellular growth until we're 20. But after that, growth will lead to the growth of, you know, cellular dysfunction. And, and as you said, cancers, and I never thought of that before, but that is a very, that's a, a, a brilliant way of putting it, but, but you're right, right at 20, you're pretty much where you're going to be. And anything that continues to grow beyond that is, is likely going to be harmful. <laughs> Precisely. You want to regenerate. You got, you want to see the steps most, the body's really masterful at repairing, but it needs to detoxify. To go beyond repair into regeneration, into growing a new organ, growing a new liver, growing a new kidney or heart tissue, you need to really push those systems because we never ate three meals a day. You know, we would, we would feast and then we would fast. Right. Because there was no food. Right. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. I mean, we I think we could talk about the power of plants, in, in, you know, endlessly. But I want to kind of switch a little bit to something that you're that is very passionate to you, which is the idea of energy medicine. And let's first kind of explain to our listeners, what exactly do you mean when you say energy medicine? Well, for what in our work, in my work, we go all the way from mitochondria to your energy field to your information field that people call the aura, but that it's an information field that organizes the body in the same way that a magnet organizes iron filings on a piece of glass. And if you can upgrade the information, the quality of the information, so you don't have to live out the illnesses and the psychological dramas that run in your family, that's kind of the default program. If you can download version 2.0 of the human software into the field, you can actually trigger the, the growth of a new body that is pretty disease-proof. And that's what the shamans recognized. They said, hi, hey, there's another layer here of complexity, which is the field, the human right. energy field and its interaction with the quantum field of all the creation. It's fascinating. I, I I mean, it's something, gosh, you wish we were all able to go and and understand. And I, I guess, I mean, you have to live there and you have to understand it and really get the feel for how other cultures work and live and, and, and the longevity and that whole idea. It's it's fascinating. All right. So let's let's try to put this to test a little bit. And, and I, I know there are a couple practices that, that we want to kind of talk about and let's share them. Let's, let's get our listeners to kind of understand a little bit more about this, but let's talk a little bit first, the, the practice of drumming meditation. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. Absolutely. 
Well, the um, in fact, I have my drum with me. If you want, we can try a drum. Uh, yeah, leave no leave no stone unturned. I want to have the full experience of this. <laughs> and don't do this while driving. So, um, <laughs> the reason for the music and the drumming is entrainment. You want to entrain the brain. You want to entrain the brain to the heartbeat, basically. So the heart is the master drummer in the body. And the idea of the drumming meditation is to reset your fight or flight system. Because right. you, you cannot heal or repair or grow a new body if you're in fight or flight. If you're in fight or flight, you're producing cortisol and adrenaline, the stress hormones, and you're, you're uptight, you're stressed out, and you're going to get psychosomatic disease. Right. It's that whole idea of sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. Now, we do a lot of this, I know, in my practice with biofeedback. In other words, it, it, this is kind of like the the initial probably type of biofeedback to bring this back is, that. Totally. Awesome. Yeah, this, this is biofeedback. It's just great. <laughs> I don't know, I'm, now I'm, I'm all about this already and we haven't even gotten into it. So I'm I'm this totally with it. This is before electronics. See, the, the problem with fight or flight is that it's a feed forward system. It's not a feedback system. So the more adrenaline, the more cortisol, the more you damage the brain. The hippocampus in the brain where learning happens, it's rich in cortisol receptors. So the more you damage the brain and then school is out, no more learning. You can't have a new experience. You can't fall in love again. You can't wake up with the person you've been married to for 20 years and you and you can't go, who is this amazing being? Wow. Right. Instead you go, who is this person in my bed? <laughs> All right. So take so, us through this. I, I'm, I'm fascinated. All right. Well, the connection between the sympathetic and parasympathetic is the breath. So I'm going to invite you to breathe with me, to inhale to a count of four, hold to a count of four, exhale to a count of four, and hold empty to a count of four. Okay, so first a deep breath, inhale deeply and exhale. Another one. And exhale. And inhale to four. One, two, three. Four, hold for four, two, three, four, exhale to four, hold empty for four, two, three, four, inhale to four, one, two, three, four, hold for four, two, three, four, exhale to four, two, three, Four, empty to four, two, three, four, inhale to four, two, three, four, hold for four, exhale to four, empty to four, inhale to four, one, two, three, Four, hold for four. Exhale to four. Empty to four. Inhale to four. One, two, three, four. Hold for four. Exhale to four. 
Empty the four. Two, three, four. Last one, inhale to four. One, two, three, four. Hold for four. Two, three, four. Exhale to four. Empty to four. And now inhale deeply. And exhale. And again, one more time. So I have a, a new book coming out at the end of the year. And one of the things I talk about is the idea of breathing exercises, which is exactly, and I hope for our listeners, you went through this because we don't, we don't do that enough. I mean, that took us a couple minutes, two or three minutes. And the level of just sort of relaxation that you do from just a simple breathing exercise. And there are a number of them. And I, and I, you know, in my, in the book, I talk about that, the four by four by four that, and there are another of other ones that are more complicated, but this is a great simple thing to begin to do. And once you get into the practice of doing this, it, it takes a couple of minutes and I hope people practice this. It, it's a, it's a form of meditation, but bringing that yin and yang back together, right? That sympathetic and parasympathetic. Amazing. Let me tell you where it goes from here, because when you're stressed out, where your fight or flight is turned on, you breathe, and most of us have had it turn on since birth because these stress molecules go through the placental barrier. And if our mother was stressed out or she had fillings, mercury fillings in her teeth, we were born stressed out. What happens is that when you're in fight or flight, you breathe 12 to 15 times a minute. Time yourself. Try this at home. Time yourself. You see that you're breathing 12 to 15 times. If you have uh, an aura ring or one of the fitness measures, you'll see that at night you breathe 12 to 15 times. Right. Here, we were breathing three times a minute. Now, when you increase it to a five, 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 five breath or a six, 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 six breath, you're breathing twice a minute. You're slowing down your system. Your brain slows down and you drop into that healing state that, uh, that all spiritual traditions speak about. You do it through the breath because that's the interface. You know, it's interesting because, so a couple questions. One, you just mentioned something and I just got all excited like a kid, which is the aura ring. And I have yeah. an aura ring, here it is right here. I love yeah. this thing. I mean, it is incredible. It is just, it packages you know, nothing's perfect, right? But this encompasses so many aspects of health. Yeah. Incredible. And when you yeah. look at heart rate variability, temperature, your respirations, all, you know, activity. I love that this thing will tell you, you know, it has this readiness factor where it says, you know, according to all this stuff. And there were algorithms that they established to to get this information. But when yep. they they put it all together and say, you know what, you need to pay attention today because your readiness is not optimal. You didn't sleep well or you were too active yesterday or your temperature was a little. It's fascinating and fascinating. Yep. And, and I love this thing. I never take it off. Well, see, shamans do the same thing. I discovered that the shamans in the Amazon can do the very same thing. They look at you, they look at your energy field and they go, oh my God, you know, you're eating too much sugar. You haven't had enough sleep. You haven't forgiven your ex-wife because all of those stories are in the field. 
in the energy field. And the thing is that we want to become the authors of our own story, of an original story, and not keep reliving those stories, whether they be the genetic stories or the psychological, emotional drama that runs in family. The, uh, we don't want to be stuck in those belief structures. We want to, for example, you know, I, I was born in Latin America, in Cuba, emigrated to the U.S., and we were refugees. And I knew people wrote books, but I never thought I would write a book. English was a second language. I was a refugee. And then now I've written 20 books. And the, wow. uh, so I, I had to break out of that belief structure that limited my experience of reality. That's encoded in the field. And when we learn to work with the field and heart rate variability are indications of that and, and the autonomic self-regulation, that's what we were doing in San Francisco State. How do we self-regulate these systems to allow us to become exceptionally human, exceptional humans? You know, it, it's it's fascinating and it's there's so much out there. It, it's, God, it's incredible that I think that we we don't recognize how much control we have over our health or our gene expression or all of these things in our lives. We just kind of take it for what it's worth. And we're like, okay, this is as good as it gets. And I don't think that's true. I think, you know, I agree. Uh, you, uh, you're the perfect example of there are so many things to learn. Let me ask you a question because so for people who just went through this breathing exercise and actually for myself, what if, what is the role of the drum in doing that? And is it necessary or is it something that, cause I've never, I don't use a drum when I do that. Those yeah, four by four is what I call it. Breathing exercise. What, what is the role of that? Or is there some role in that? The drum is, is entrainment. Basically it's, we understand that it is in training our heartbeat, our brain waves, our field frequency, but it's also a way of communicating with nature. We haven't gotten into the more exotic and interesting parts of the, of the invisible world, what the shamans call the invisible world, the, the natural world, the part that's invisible. And that we're surrounded by, by consciousness. We're surrounded by, by nature. We're surrounded by power animals. Each one of us has one or two spirit animals that bond with us that share their gifts and their, and if, you know, if you're if you're living in the rainforest, or if you're living in Canada, and uh, and you're uh, a descendant of a native um, medicine person, you might go into nature with your drum, and you might start playing and calling on the spirit of the eagle to open your eyes and give you vision and let you see with clarity, instead of going into psychotherapy. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it works. <laughs> it's. I mean, there's. There's so much to learn. Uh, I mean, there's so many things we could go on and on. And, and I'm sure, like myself, a lot of people are wondering, I mean, th there are, what else, what else is out there? I mean, I have to thank you for enlightening me. And, and one of my favorite things about doing these podcasts, obviously for selfish reasons, I get to learn more through very talented people, experienced, educated people like yourself who've just experienced other things. But the best part is getting to share this with my listeners and my patients. And it's it's just, again, it, it's that whole idea of there are so many things out there that we're not aware of that, as to your point, 5,000 years, listen, if it's been working for 5,000 years, I, I think there's some relevance to it. So- <laughs> 
where where do people find you and how can we get more information on on your practice and the things that you do you know mike my most recent book is called grow a new body how you can grow a new body and this is based on science and the ancient shamanic wisdom and in reality we all grow a new body every seven years there's nobody in the planet that's older than seven years old you get new bones every seven years. The lining of your stomach is every three days. The lining of your lungs every five days. Your skin every six or seven days. So, so what I'm interested in doing is helping people not only maintain their health, but actually take a quantum leap. See, I, I trained with the shamans. I actually became a shaman spending so many years in the Andes and in the Amazon. And one of the prophecies say that we have come to a turning point in the history of humanity where we can become extinct or we can take a quantum leap into who we are becoming. And the biggest biohack today is to become the new human, is to, to acquire an extraordinary level of health, to become a human that the shamans call homo luminous, luminous human, not thinking human, homo sapiens. And my agenda is really to help people not only get better, preserve their health, but grow new body, become the new human that is that can heal and age and die differently and, and have extraordinarily long and healthy life. And I do that. You can come to my website. It's got a lot of free literature and information at the4wins, the4wins.com or grownewbody.com. And um, I think this is a critical time. See, during these times of crisis, evolution doesn't work any longer along Newtonian mechanics, which is slow, gradual, in between generations. Evolution switches on to quantum leaping. Quantum speciation is what biologists call it, where huge, tremendous leaps occur in a very short period of time. Whenever we've had a climate crisis in the past, that's what's operant, and we're in the middle of one today. So it's exciting, exciting time to be alive. It's it's exciting. And I think uh, we're fortunate that, you know, I look at these platforms and technology and all of the information that is now available. You know, back in your day, you had to physically go and and to experience these things, right? And to learn of these things, you have to immerse yourself in that culture, in that place. You know, when we talk about technology, is it hurting us or helping us? Well, it's how we use it. And when we have this availability to seek out your your knowledge, your wisdom, and, and these practices that we would no way maybe perhaps know about what we would never be able to experience. I think we have to embrace it. So I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me, with us and my listeners and uh, amazing stuff. Really, really appreciate your time. <laughs> thank you, Mike. Pleasure to have been with you. Blessings. Thank you for the beautiful work you do sharing all this information. Thank you so much. Now for today's weekly RX. You know, I, I think when you listen in, listen today, it, it, to me, what it says is there are so many things for us to learn about our health. And, you know, we talk about our culture and the world we live in and the fast pace. But when you look at other civilizations, other other places in the world and and how do they exist and, and how you know, for how long and, 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 you know, how much longer they live, not just stay alive, but 
they live healthy lives. It, it just, it makes you wonder what we're missing. And, and I think that one of my big take homes is do some research, look out there at, at some of the practices that have been around, not for just hundreds of years, but thousands of years, thousands of years. And I think the second thing is that we kind of get caught up in our world and, and we do things a certain way and we're comfortable doing that way. You know, we, we did this breathing exercise today and people talk about meditation or other things that we can do to, to learn how to bring back that balance of, of our, our nervous systems, our parasympathetic and our sympathetic. Simple things like a breathing exercise that you can find a number of online to try. It's not going to hurt you. Give it a shot. Try these things. I think you're going to surprise yourself. You're going to learn more about yourself. And at the end of the day, you're going to be a healthier you, which is what we're all after. Well, I got to tell you guys, that's fascinating. And I, I, and I touched on it at the very end, but when you look at the work that Dr. Vieldo does, you know, decades ago, you would have to have been there have gone to another culture, have lived with another culture to be able to learn and understand these practices. But uh, we're able to have uh, his talents brought to us. And I hope that you guys got a lot out of this as much as I did. So that's it for today. Uh, don't forget, as always, to subscribe for free download and listen to Wellness Inc. with me, Dr. Mike Moreno on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Follow me on social at The 17 Day Diet. Thank you for being here. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinigay, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional. This podcast does not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.